Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Wanda. you, Wanda. Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine. This is Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Samantha Graves. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Yes, and today's episode is another writer improv. Up until Uh-oh. we blew that last one, we really used to like these. <laughs> Because last time we spent too much time being nice to each other and totally forgot about the most important thing in writing, story. Right. And then we yeah, ended so. up fighting anyway, so the being nice to each other was totally wasted. <laughs> so now we have something to prove, like we're really writers. Yes, and there's nothing like a couple of writers that have to prove themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a very interesting night. Hey, Whiffers, if you're not driving or working, go ahead and grab a glass now. You're going to need it. We'll get to that later in the program, but first we have wine. So, Lonnie, what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm going back to my basics. Mm -hmm. I'm having a Lindemans. You know, I love Lindemans. Mm -hmm. They're Australian and they're cheap. Yeah. I always have this joke in my head, like, I like my wine like I like my men, Australian and cheap. Sorry. Anyway, you know, that actually works uh, pretty well, unless your husband's listening, you know, I to know. the podcast. I, know. I had a girlfriend I was talking to once, we were talking about coffee. She goes, I like my coffee like I like my men pale and weak. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard at that. Anyway, before I bring us off on another tangent, this has absolutely nothing to do with either wine or writing. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking a 2003 Kawara Similan Chardonnay blend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the lovely Lindemans pricing I like so much with twelve ninety nine for a Magnum, which works wow. for me. And it's sporting a healthy 14% alcohol, so I'm going to try mm-hmm. to keep it down to maybe one glass tonight. <laughs> okay, probably two, but still. <laughs> Best of luck with that, right? Anyway, according to the Lindemans website, another reason to love them, they have a website. The Coir Chardonnay has citrus and stone fruit aromas, which combine with a touch of honey and soft spice. And a supple, medium-bodied palate combining stone fruit and citrus flavors against a subtle vanillin... Not vanilla. Vanillin. Backbone. Vanil- I don't know what that uh-huh. means. Smooth okay. and elegant with a refreshing, crisp finish. Huh. So that sounds really good. Um, yeah. Mine is, I like it. It's a nice, light taste. A little more fruity than the regular mm-hmm. Lindemann Chard. That is my standby wine. I like it a lot. Uh, but because I've learned my lesson about being overly effusive <laughs> with my five glass wines, I'm going to give it four glasses tonight. Oh. <gasps> Oh, you're I'm resetting actually, the bar. I am. I'm pulling a Nadia Comaneci or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it in the Russian judge. All right, so what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm drinking a 2004 Da Vinci Chianti mm. from Italy, mm-hmm. which has a gorgeous label, by the way. Oh, Just beautiful. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the wine notes are crimson red with intense aromas of ripe fruit and flavors of fresh strawberry and plum elegant and supple oh it we both yummy. picked supple wines we did imagine that i what a know coincidence. it must Isn't they must have weird? the same wine writer <laughs> okay now excuse me for just a second <coughs> sorry i got a little okay. bit of the wine down the wrong pipe there oh. <laughs> so <clears throat> let me just wash that down with it's a little one bit of, of the wine. dangers exactly of- <laughs> <laughs> you just continue on your way. Just ignore me okay. while I sit here and choke. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this is a uh, thirteen dollars a bottle mm-hmm. and a light thirteen percent alcohol. Oh, hey. And That's I nothing. like it. It's a mm-hmm. good. It's a nice Chianti. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a will rate for wine four glasses. All right. Well, good yeah. for you. That's very mm-hmm. good. Awesome. All right. Well, now that we know what we're drinking, we need to talk about who we love this week. Time for shout outs, shout offs, and announcements. Mm-hmm. And my shout out goes to Lisa Beamer, mm-hmm. who was the one we mentioned last week and couldn't remember her name. <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. I've known Lisa for like five years, too. <laughs> and I couldn't remember it was her who sent it. Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> but she gave us a great website uh-huh. about wine lexicon. Yes at uh, wineloverspacepage.com, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll put the link in the show notes. And um, not only are all the definitions there, but they also provide um, audio waves for correct pronunciations. I love you, Lisa. Thank it's you. We needed wonderful. that. Yeah, so, and this, so this is where you can find out how you've been saying Blanc the wrong way forever. Blanc? <laughs> how else are you supposed to say it? Blanc. Blanc? No ca. No ca. So okay. they've got the C there for nothing. See, it's those French. Yeah, it's those Sorry, Ambrose. Overusing their letters again. have all those letters that are silent. Why put a letter in a word <laughs> if it's just going to sit there and do nothing? 
just sit there like second string player on the JV team. Never get up, you know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Um, and on that note, I looked up tannins, mm-hmm. and this was the definition. Mm-hmm. Containing perceptible tannic acid, a naturally occurring component in age-worthy red wines uh-huh. that imparts a mouth-puckering astringency <laughs> when the wine is young, but that resolve in delicious and complex elements of bottled bouquet when the wine is cellared under appropriate temperature conditions, preferably in the range of a constant 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. Now, unfortunately, I had is to okay look up most of any the of definitions <laughs> for most of those words. Right. <laughs> I didn't understand. I'm listening but to I this think... and you lost me at like after mouth puckering. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So all I really got out of that was red wines. Right. Uh-huh. So we, we were right, at least about the tannins. About the tannins, right. Yeah, okay. being in red wines. So. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, my shout-out goes to Monica, who, for those of you who have been listening, was the one who sent us the information about the tannins aren't about the grapes, they're about the oak or the wood mm-hmm. that it's aged in. Um, and uh, according, actually, to winescience.com, and it's wine-science.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, it, that is technically correct, actually. Uh, tannins are chemical compounds that exist in plants to make it unpleasant for animals to eat them. And they are found in oak, and some of the tannins in wine are derived from the oak barrel. So Monica was right. Sort of. Those tannins, however, don't count for much and don't make much of a difference in the taste. It's the grape-derived tannins that put on the Big Show taste-wise, and those are in the red grapes. So, mm. you know, and I got that from a very, very long article I read, which included <laughs> words like polyphenolic and anthocyanins, and that's about all I understood. <laughs> My final conclusion is that tannins are really complicated and no one really understands them entirely. So I'm sending a shout off to tannins. Damn you for being so freaking complicated. <laughs> I also want to make an announcement too because we made a decision today about the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you guys know, well, those of you who pay attention and care, we usually record these on Thursday nights, but uh, Thursdays are becoming very complicated with kids' schedules and things like that. So, we've decided to start, as, as of next week, we're going to start recording it on Friday nights, and then you'll have it to listen to by Friday night, Saturday morning. Right. So, we're going right. to start doing that a day, a day later. So, those of you mm-hmm. who listen to us on your way to work on Friday mornings, we're sorry. Just yeah. save it. You We're can sorry. listen on Monday. <laughs> It'll brighten up your Monday. It'll be really fun. We'll, we'll have to give ourselves a pay cut for doing that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. well I think that covers us for shout outs and shout offs and announcements. We'll be back in a minute. All right, then. At Will Write for Wine, we take our civic responsibility very seriously. We don't want anyone getting into any trouble just because we made drinking wine look cool. So we'd like to make the following statements. We are cool. We just have to be drinking wine while being cool. It's not the wine that's cool. It's us. And you, of course, because you listen to us and you're obviously in the top 1% of cool. So you should be happy about that. And that's it. That covers it. But the public service announcement is scheduled for a full minute. So... Underage people get a Pepsi. No soup for you. And if you're planning on driving tonight, put the glass down. Not worth it. Also, never pluck your eyebrows when you've been drinking. That's a handy piece of advice. Oh, and if you put a bottle of Chardonnay in the freezer to chill it quickly, set a timer. A loud timer. Trust us, the last thing you want is a bottle of Chardonnay exploding all over your veggies. And if you're over the age of 35, no drinking games. You're going to have to trust us on that one. Okay, that's it. Time's up. Just remember, it's not the wine that's cool. It's you. And we're back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Write for Wine. Time for our listener question. We had a slew of new questions this week, so we want to thank all our whiffers for their participation. Yes, thank you. Uh, We will be getting to your questions, we promise. (laughs) So this week's question comes from Michelle Simones. Mm -hmm. Simones. Simones. I think. Or Simones. I don't know. Michelle, go ahead and email us and tell us how we butchered your name because we don't get anybody's name right. I'm so good at that. Half Jeez. the time we can't even tell if they're men or women. We just uh, really are not good at this. And you <laughs> notice we did not hear from Tex, so I'm a little worried. <laughs> we did hear from Ambrose, though. We did, he, yay. He emailed He's... us very nicely to say yes. it wasn't anything personal. He was just busy. <laughs> 
after we thought we'd driven so, I know. So we're, we're, we're glad to have him back in the fold. Right, yes. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, Michelle's question is, could you discuss how turning points are different in each of your books, mm-hmm. i.e. suspense versus comedy versus women's fiction or chiclet, whichever you prefer? Mm-hmm. When I first started writing, I thought a turning point meant something needed to blow up or someone needed to cry. In other words... <laughs> bad things had to mm-hmm. happen, which meant I had things blowing up in my wacky romantic comedy, <laughs> which was problematic. <laughs> I love this Well, question. you know, I know. Don't tell Janet Ivanovich that blowing things up in a romantic comedy is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably argue with you. But I do get your point, Michelle. And I think that all you need to do is kind of tweak your definition of a turning point. And you'll be just fine. Basically, a turning point for me is when something happens that changes a character's outlook on the situation. That's really it. A point where the trajectory, say that fast (laughs) while drinking wine, trajectory changes. Where the main character is no longer the same person they were before the turning point. Um, So, for example, I'm writing a romantic comedy right now where my main character is a workaholic overachiever. She works for her dad's real estate development company. He sends her off to Idaho to buy a campground. Now, she doesn't know why in the world her big dealing, you know, Austin father wants her to buy a campground in Idaho, but she's on it. She's determined. She's going to make it happen. Then at the end of the first act, after failing again and again at getting the owner to sell, she discovers that her father never intended for her to be able to buy it. He knew the owner wouldn't sell. He sent her there because she was having panic attacks and refused to take a vacation. So now there she is, feeling not only like a failure because she couldn't get the owners to sell, but like a total loser because her father put her out to pasture, basically. She feels insulted and betrayed by her father, who was always a big workaholic with her, so it was kind of one of the things they bonded on, and she feels really alone. So whereas in the first act, she was bound and determined to buy that campground, now she's lacking the confidence to pull off the deal. She's questioning herself and her abilities. She's not the same person she was before she found out that information. Now, a bomb going off can always be a turning point. <laughs> because pretty much when something explodes, it sort of changes how you view the world. Um, but, you know, turning points can also be, you know, more on the subtle side. You know, a piece of information, a change in perspective, a new understanding about something. Anything that changes how your main character views her situation, her life, her surroundings, that's your turning point. Yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lonnie is the queen of turning points. Uh, so. <laughs> really i'm just starting to get it now but. <laughs> she's pretty much uh, hit it all mm-hmm. especially uh since turning points are new to me mm-hmm. i mean i put them in i just yeah. don't realize that i do it's a yeah. very it's organic an process. Thing. yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, for example inside unseen my heroine starts out owning the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then an e- easy job goes bad under her watch mm-hmm. then she gets stuck with an ex-cop her partner is <laughs> murdered she's framed for his murder mm-hmm. meanwhile the bad guy is manipulating every situation for the first time in a very long time she's not the best right mm-hmm. she's not on top of it Right. Mm-hmm. So basically the turning points are where her character is challenged, mm-hmm. where she is forced to face change mm-hmm. within herself. It's not so much that things are blowing up. Mm-hmm. It's her reaction to those things blowing up. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I have no idea if this is remotely close to a turning point. <laughs> no, no, I think it really is. I mean, it's, it's about your, there's... In every scene, and we're going to get to this later because we're talking about scenes tonight, there's kind of mm-hmm. a value change. Like at the, at the beginning of the scene, your character goes in thinking one thing, and at the end, there should be some kind of change in how they view the world or what the situation is, something that moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. That there needs to be some change from the beginning to the end. But I think at a turning point, and turning points usually happen around where the acts act breaks are you know i mean the first act is basically you're setting everything up everything's you know you're setting up the old world and the new world and the hero's journey yada 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 mm-hmm. you know and at the end of the first act is kind of when the character realizes that they they've got something they've got to do they've got something they've got to accomplish you know the second act is you know all about them like struggling and trying to to accomplish whatever it is that they've set out to do you know and the third act is where everything sort of falls apart you know the black moment or whatever and the fourth act is the resolution it's kind of you know that's very very generic but that's mm-hmm. kind of how it works so i would find instinctually with all the books that i've written that i would get to a certain point at the end of an act and i would be at a turning point mm-hmm. where basically i've set everything up i've gotten to a certain point 
And at that point, the character can go in a number of different directions because they're not going to be going in the same direction they were going for the rest of the act. Right. So it is. It's, it's a turning point where you can really choose where the character is going to go. Now, that would happen naturally. I mean, I think if you're a storyteller, if you write books, you sort of kind of have a natural feel for it. I mean, let's face it. It's, it's classic story structure. You've seen it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. These are the, the movies and the stories, the books that you love. So you've seen all these things happening. You kind of have an instinct for it, but you don't have a name for it. So I mean, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for a long time. I just didn't know right. I was doing it. You know, now that I have a consciousness of it, it kind of helps me to figure out what I what I need to have happen at a certain point. So instead of, you know, sitting around for a month and floundering, trying to figure mm-hmm. out what I do, mm-hmm. I sit around only for three and a half weeks <laughs> floundering, <laughs> wondering what I'm going to do. So, you know, I mean, it really, it saves me those three or four days. Yeah, right. <laughs> Having the knowledge. Hey, you know, don't add is. up eventually but you know I mean I I think that that's and so I think that you know in inside unseen you know you you did have those uh, Mm -hmm. those things happening where all of a sudden you know Raven would get hit with something and it changes the perspective it changes her so that she can't continue in the direction that she was going right it you forces know, her to change, to yeah. Right, yeah. so it's, it's basically a turning point well, is what's the point interesting, of the story where she's forced to change. Mm-hmm. It, what's interesting is with characters is that they actually have a choice. Mm-hmm. They don't have to change, mm-hmm. but they choose to change. Right, right. And it's so, at that point that they, because of the experiences that they've had, they can mm-hmm. no longer, I mean, they could keep going in the direction that they were going in, but that would be a boring story. There'd be no point. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, if they wanted to be stubborn well, about it, but that they know at the at the end of that first act, they've got to know something they didn't know at the beginning mm-hmm. that makes them choose a different path. It makes them go in a different direction. Well, also and their goal and their motivation override mm-hmm. what they right. would normally do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because so if this was a story what about what they would normally do, mm-hmm. then there's no point in telling that story. That's right. You know, I mean, the whole point, whenever you start a story, and I think we should do one on this too. <laughs> We've we should. up with all these ideas about when you start a story, that the start of a story should always be the day that's different. Right. The day that you something when happens the begins. differently. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When the trouble starts, the day that something is different. You know, a lot of times, and you find this, and it's heartbreaking because somebody will give you like the first three chapters of their book. Yeah. And they'll like ask you, you're know. like, start at the end of chapter three because that's where things are different. And we always yeah. start with this big story where we're setting everything up. We're setting up the backstory. Mm-hmm. We're setting up the, you know, and you don't need that much time to set that stuff up. You yeah, know you I mean? Don't. But you, you need to start where the, where things are different. Start on mm-hmm. the day that things change for your right. character and move her through that. And that's okay. where things get really fun. So anyway, I think we've gone way beyond <laughs> Michelle's question. She's probably like, shut up. You finished a while back. We're just la, la, la. Uh, But uh, thank you, Michelle, to get your thank question you. on the show. And, um, and, and totally tangentized, tangentized. <laughs> tangentized. <laughs> like McDonald's supersizes things. We tangentize it. <laughs> We'll go off on a tangent on anything you ask us. If we bother to answer the question at all, which sometimes, uh, yeah. let's face it, we don't. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, email us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Mm-hmm. Now for this week's We Recommend segment. Yes, each week we recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love so we can share them with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And this week I am recommending our new <laughs> Will Write for Wine six-month <laughs> anniversary video. <laughs> Put to Lonnie's rocking audio montage. Oh, man. But Sam did all the video for it. I didn't even know about it. She sent it to me in email. She's like, oh, hey, check it out. I was like, oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> I had so much fun putting you this together. I had it was really thank fun. Thank you. I, well, I found all of our pictures, right. and I, I mm-hmm. br- brought everything together. And, yeah. and then... <laughs> And then we had a question on the website about our Whiffer picture. Oh, right. <laughs> and Cynthia asked us what kind of fruit it was. She wanted to know how she was being represented. <laughs> and we had a long discussion. We had no idea. Whether it was an apple or a pear. Or I a, know, but did you see did Cynthia say? did the research? She oh, got a, she it's did. a pomelo. It's which a pomelo. I never even knew existed. Me I didn't neither. even know what a pomelo was. But it's in the citrus <laughs> family, so I was very close with my lemon thing. I was insisting it was lemon. She's like, no, it can't be a lemon. It can't be a lemon. It doesn't have the bump. It kind of does. <laughs> Pomelos and lemons are really close. They're like sisters. <laughs> so anyway, but it's all, it's a, it, it's a really interesting fruit because it's sweet and it's mm-hmm. tart mm-hmm. and it's got like this mixture of a lot of different flavors in it. I want And a it's very now. good. So 
that I makes think sense that's a, because I think our listeners fruit. are sweet and tart and smart and all those things. And, and really fun and lovely. Yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> that's perfect. So that's my right. recommendation. Go well, check out the video. Well, you can find that at the, at the Will Write for Wine uh, website and also yep. on our MySpace page. So, right. Excellent. All right. Well, for me, um, I have to say I'm recommending green tea. Ah. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Every spring and fall, I get terrible sinus headaches. It drives me crazy. Sudafed makes my heart go pitter-pat in a bad way. So usually I just sit around and suffer. But recently, thanks to Sam, I discovered loose leaf tea. <laughs> And uh, I've been drinking two mugs a day, and it is amazing how much it helps. I mean, it works for me better than Claritin, better than, like, anything else. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, not long ago, Sam recommended Adagio. Mm-hmm. Um, dot com, which is the, a great place to start for getting your tea. But, you know, if it's green tea, if it's in a, you know, bag or if it's, I, I brew very strong, loose leaf green tea and I have two mugs a day and it really makes a difference during this time of year, like in the spring and the fall when my allergies start, you know, getting worked up and I get sinus headaches. So right. I'm just saying I've got big love for green tea right now because it's totally Whoa. making my life so much better. Now, are you drinking yeah. your your tea out of your Will Write for Wine mug that's available on the Cafe Press. <laughs> I do every day, and I think the Will Write for Wine mug makes it even more better for your sinuses. I, I, I think that has it has I miraculous resist. healing. No, we're not selling snake oil. No, we're not. We're just joking. But if you want the mug, is very nice. It's very big. It can hold a lot of the green tea that will make your sinuses mm-hmm. feel better. Or coffee. <laughs> so or if anybody has allergies, right, or wine, you really mm-hmm. could. You could put wine. I put wine in oh it. Like God. I think the first week that I got it, I did one of our podcasts with it. And for some reason, drinking wine out of a mug feels very like very like you need to start seeing a professional for some help. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like, you know, people put like, you know, vodka in their sodas that looks like they're just drinking a regular fountain soda, but it's like totally <laughs> makes me feel like an alcoholic, which, yeah. uh, you know, like I'm trying to hide my drinking. So anyway. <laughs> do we have to apologize to alcoholics now? Oh God. I always say something stupid. Anyway. All right. Just stop. Back okay. to the science and the allergies. The green tea is awesome. Excellent. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, I think we could use some more wine. <laughs> right. I definitely need more because I haven't insulted hardly anybody tonight. <laughs> so we'll be back in a flash. <laughs> a sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is Will Write for Wine! Yeah! Sorry, my energy's a little low tonight, (laughs) so I thought I'd just inject that little excitement into the... Anyway, tonight's show is Writer Improv. (laughs) building a scene <laughs> and this time we promise not to be nice to each other at all right. and we're both a little cranky we are so this may actually work out pretty well <laughs> <laughs> because when we were trying to be nice to each other we ended up yelling at each other so maybe yeah. now we'll try to be mean to each other and be like all sweet and nice <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway the you know being nice to each other that way lies nothing but pain we've yeah. proven that mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so tonight we're going to build a scene Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who will tell you a lot about what scenes are, but let's start mm-hmm. with a basic definition. A scene is the setting where an occurrence or event takes place. Right. Now, in fiction, you need a time and a place. Once either of those things changes, there's a time shift or your character leaves and goes to another place, then you've got a new scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a very simplistic definition, but simple is the best way to start. Right. Now, mm-hmm. let's tweak it for fiction. Mm-hmm. What do you need a scene to do? It needs to move your story forward. Mm-hmm. So something has, needs to happen. You right. need action, character development, just stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many different ways that you can do this, and you're only limited by your creativity. Mm-hmm. We're going to illustrate one guaranteed way to build a strong scene, hopefully, with yes. a POV character <laughs> with any and, luck. <laughs> and an antagonist. Our whole careers are on the line right now. <laughs> Not our careers, just our, our reputations. credibility. <laughs> our credibility, which I think was shot probably some time ago. 
So I really feel like there's not a whole lot on the line tonight. We're just going to do what we can and see how, yeah. see how it rolls. Anyway, yeah. um, if you have two people whose goals are in conflict, you will have a strong scene. Right. You know, there's a lot of arguing in the writing world about antagonists, whether you have to have one in every scene or not. And, you know, we're not saying that you have to. We're just saying it's one way and it's pretty much guaranteed you know if you've got if you've got that you've got a scene uh, if you've got two people in conflict you've got a scene um we're gonna build our scene using beats a beat is a unit of conflict which doesn't make any sense when you first start thinking about it but after a while you'll start to see it so anyway which will then escalate until we've created a value change, which is kind of what I was talking about before. I mean, the POV character is different at the end of the scene from who they were at the beginning of the scene. It doesn't have to be a huge turning point difference. You know, mm-hmm. they have to change their whole world. Michelle, you know, if you're still listening, no bombs have to blow up. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that there has to be some kind of something that has moved the story forward that your character has had a value change from point A at the beginning of the scene to point B at the end of the scene. So that's all I'm saying. Um, so that's when your scene ends, when there's a win, lose, or draw between the two characters and a value change of some sort has occurred. Yes. Now, a value change sounds very dramatic, but it's not. Right. By mm-hmm. a value change, we simply mean that the character may know something they didn't know at the beginning of the scene, or they may have changed their minds about something, or they may think about changing their minds about something. Even right. even mm-hmm. their ability to, um, to view a situation from the other person's point of view mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. significant. Right, right. And it's just it doesn't have to be a huge change, just mm-hmm. has to be something that moves the story forward. If the forward if the if the, uh, if the forward. <laughs> forward. It's just not I'm not having a good night. <laughs> I'm really not. It'll I'm just get not better. A good thing. Keep rolling. Oh, sure will. It's only the C block. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> the D block's coming. That's gonna be great. Um anyway, it's not like a turning point, you know, where there's a fundamental shift in overall perspective where mm-hmm. they can't go back to who they were before. That's the thing right. about a turning point. They can't go back. Right. Um, the value change just means the story has moved forward, that our protagonist has moved with it. It doesn't have to be anything huge or life-changing, but it does need to advance the story. Right. For mm-hmm. instance, in a mystery, a value change can happen when a new clue is uncovered. Sure. And in a romantic comedy, it can be when your protagonist discovers that her attempt to resolve a problem only results in creating a bigger problem. Right. So. Mm-hmm. We've had the lovely Catherine Wade gather yes. your suggestions and send a, send us an email with the following. Mm-hmm. Genre of the story. Mm-hmm. And I can only say that I'm glad that romantic suspense will not be chosen again because it's already been done. <laughs> Probably. And... <laughs> you never know with Katie. She might just be like, here you go. Uh, a redo, redo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so genre, a POV character, an uh-huh. antagonist, and a setting. Right, and that's all we need to build a scene. Mm-hmm. Now, again, let us stress, this is not the only way to build a scene. It's just probably the easiest, the most kind of nuts and bolts way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, in all honesty, when I started writing, I didn't understand any of this. And still to this day, I don't consciously think of this structure when I write. A lot of this is instinctual and will be if you're a writer. And, you know, I know, like, especially because I've always been a pantser, that this kind of thing is the sort of thing that I've resisted a lot because I always felt like I would lose the magic, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the real skill is in balancing an understanding of the craft with that kind of innate knowledge of knowing where your story needs to go and writing it from from a gut level, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's kind of the, the thing is that you have to, you know, sort of balance those sort of things. Right. Um, still to this day, I don't consciously think of structure when I write. Um, a lot of this is instinctual. You probably already do it. But the biggest problem most people have with scenes is making sure that the story moves forward. And by looking at a scene in this way, you can be sure to do that. Right. So are we ready? We're ready. I've got my Osho Zen tarot deck Uh and my apples to apples cards in case we need any extra help to move things along. All right, great. Well, I'm going to open up my email and look what Kate sent us. She says genre is comedy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to shut up the whole time. (laughs) In parentheses, she says, we already covered, you know, romantic suspense. I think she knows. She doesn't want us to fight again. Our POV character is Barbara and our antagonist is Sam. Pick a gender, any gender. We'll make him a guy. We'll make our okay. Sam a guy. All right. I don't think she's saying that the antagonist is you. <laughs> no, I know. You and this strange Barbara. Anyway. And Although this... it could be Lonnie and Sam, and we could just sit here and argue, and that'd be fine. Right. Which actually, <laughs> if you look back at, actually, if you look back at the building a hero oh, one, writing don't, improv, don't go there. that went terrible. No, that's a scene. 
That yes. is the scene. Yes. We argued and we were in a different place at the end than we were in the beginning. That's there right. you go. That's all you need. Anyway, and the setting is a sleazy truck stop bar. <laughs> Extra points if they go down a water slide <laughs> at the goddamn library. <laughs> All right, so oh it's gosh. a truck stop. I'm writing this down. It's a, a sleazy truck, st- truck stop bar. Do, are, do they have truck stop bars? Do they have bars for trucks? Well, I suppose the uh, truck huh. stop, the truck guy shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as driving a semi. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, right. If the if the truckers are drinking, I think okay. we got some issues. But you know what? I think what she's saying, like, is a dive. You know, like a dive bar. And we've all been to one of those, right? Right. Am I the only one? (laughs) No, I've I've been there. I used to love, when I was in my 20s, you know, before I had children and ended up staying home every night and going to brownie meetings, (laughs) I love dive bars where you could play, you know, like some pool and hang Mm -hmm. out and, you know, nobody was all fancy and everybody was just, you know, kind of there, whatever. Yep. I love dives. Those are my favorite places. So anyway. All right. All right. So we've got a dive bar. Mm Mm-hmm. We've got Barbara, we've got Sam, mm-hmm. and it's comedy. All right. <laughs> All right. Comedy. So what we need is our POV character is Barbara. Okay. Sam is our antagonist. Basically, okay. we just need them to be in conflict okay. over something. So what are they going to be in conflict about? <laughs> Should we pull up a, let's pull up an apples to apples. You want apples to apples? Mm-hmm. Okay. What does Barbara in- want? <laughs> What's Barbara's goal? Is it trampolines? The Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory. Okay, so Barbara wants sex. What's Sam's goal? Are you want a goal? You want apples to apples for him? Apples to apples for Sam. <laughs> Cactus. <laughs> oh, good God. Okay, so Sam. I couldn't have pulled so the she, water slide p- card, you I know? know. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. wants... She wants sex. <laughs> of course, the Big Bang Theory for me is all about sex. It's not about science. Jeez. And okay. he wants a cactus. Well, y- you want another one for him? <laughs> we could get a little clearer. Okay. okay. You know what? I Ordinarily, I don't want to cheat, but I'm just, I can't okay. work with a cactus. Construction workers. Construction workers. <laughs> all right. Okay. 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 So they're in a bar. Uh-huh. Barbara is the owner of the bar. Okay. And Sam is trying to get some people to come fix the bar. So Sam's goal is to... Okay, it's comedy. All right. (laughs) Barbara owns a dive bar. Okay. Um, Sam is trying to get the construction workers to come in and fix the wall that got busted last week when there was a fight. Okay. Okay. So, but Barbara isn't really that concerned with that. Sam is her manager. Mm -hmm. She owns it. Because she's always liked, okay, oh, 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 okay. So let's say Barbara is kind of like a rich girl who could have whatever she wants. Okay. And her daddy bought her the bar because she wanted to slum it. <laughs> she wanted to. <laughs> so she bought this bar. She's a rich girl. She bought this bar. Okay. She owns the bar. This is all set up. We haven't even gotten into the scene yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the setup. She bought this bar. Her daddy bought it for her because she wanted to own a dive bar because she wants to kind of like not be the rich girl, mm-hmm. you know. She doesn't. She wants to like be normal. Or maybe it was like a bet, people. right? You know, or just maybe around. she made a bet that she could that she could keep this bar open for a year or something. <laughs> I think. I think. You know. I think for Barbara that she uh-huh. just wants to be a normal girl. Like okay. she's grown up her whole life rich. She's mm-hmm. grown up her whole life privileged. And she has this, you know, kind of romantic ideal of what a dive bar is like. Mm-hmm. Now, she buys this bar. It used to belong to Sam. Okay. Sam went broke because his wife left him and <laughs> wants alimony or something like that. <laughs> and so he basically had to sell the bar to Barbara. Okay. You know, but he's, she's going to keep him on as a manager. Oh, yeah, but you know what would be really fun? Uh-huh. Is if he left and he, he actually... He became a construction worker, like this uh-huh. contractor or whatever, and she uh-huh. hires him to work on his own bar. <laughs> to work on his own bar, that's awesome. <laughs> so she's attracted to Sam. <coughs> she's, me. you know, he's exactly, okay, oh, this is really good. Mm-hmm. He's exactly the kind of guy, like, right, this would be early in the story. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he represents to her, like, if she can get him to like her, 
then she's just a normal girl and she's not like the rich girl and she's not mm-hmm. the privileged girl and she's not so she's starting the story at this place in her life mm-hmm. where she doesn't understand anything she's romanticized what it is to be poor and have to work for a living and mm-hmm. she all she wants to do is be one of those normal people that works for a living but she is this incredibly privileged person Mm-hmm. You know, and then he comes in, and he's one of those people that's had to work his whole life. Right. So he's coming in. She's hired him to fix his own bar that he had to sell to her. But maybe he doesn't know it was her. Maybe he thinks she's just the bartender or something. No, he should know. <laughs> yeah, I guess he'd have he to. He should know because she'd that's be paying great him. Conflict. That's great <laughs> conflict. I mean, how much would he hate her, right? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. so he comes in. He so the last time they saw each other girl. was when she bought the bar was from him. Was when she bought the bar. Yeah. So now she's hired him, mm-hmm. you know, and he this is his new job because he paid off his ex-wife with the yeah. money that he got from selling the bar. And, of course, so this, all the patrons are going to know him. All the patrons know him. So he's oh, in there and yeah. she's hiring him to fix the bar up. Uh-huh. And she wants, she has all these plans for this bar. Oh, what <laughs> like, it's she... a dive bar. She wants oh, to put up, man. like... <laughs> Like stuff. Okay, so so the opening, the first beat of conflict is when he comes in the bar, right? You know what? Maybe she buys the bar, this dive bar, because she wants to resurrect it and turn it into like a nice bar. No, I that... think she wants it to be a dive. I think she mm-hmm. wants to buy it as a dive bar, but she wants to romanticize it. Okay, I don't you know understand. What I'm saying? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I'm, being, I'm not being nice. Okay, go ahead. No. no, no. <laughs> nice it's about the story it's about the story but here's the thing here's here's my vision of it right Mm -hmm. is that you've got this girl who is this daddy's girl this little princess she's had everything she's ever wanted her entire life she's had everything handed to her on a platter right all she wants to do is work for a living so she buys this dive bar (laughs) because she's got a romantic idea of like bar fights and like people who work for a living and being a waitress and you know like the people that really work hard and scrape for every penny she wants to be one of those people okay so she's romanticized what that existence is in her head you know what i'm saying Uh uh-huh does that make sense so she's got this very romantic ideal about what that is and then here's this guy who has had to work for everything and actually had to sell his bar to this princess, mm-hmm. you know, and then she hires his company <laughs> to <What>? come in <laughs> and fix the wall. And so maybe part of her well, is like, well, I need you to fix the wall structurally for uh-huh. the health inspectors. Yeah. But, um, but, <laughs> but I want you to leave a little bit of the damage. Can you do that? Because the, <laughs> Because it's so cool. Like, he threw the guy through the wall. I mean, Uh you can see the the outline of the guy that got thrown in the wall. And she's very excited about how rough that makes this bar and and how rough that makes her. Well, and the other thing is, he might be thinking that she's hiring him as, like, a pity move. As a pity move. Oh, Oh, man. Wouldn't that be perfect? Now, I pulled two Osho Zen cards. I pulled one for her. Okay. And Mm -hmm. hers was ordinariness. Ordinariness. That's exactly what she's going so, for. Perfect. Uh-huh. His was success. <gasps> so he wants, the only thing that he wants, what does he want? He wants to, he wants to be successful. He wants to get out of that scraping for every penny. Maybe he wants to be what she, you know, maybe he wants to be the millionaire or he wants to be the, maybe he's Maybe sold, he yeah. has a daughter and he wants to be for that kid mm-hmm. what her dad was for her. So mm-hmm. he wants to give his daughter everything right the way that her dad did right but she grew up but then barbara grew up you know completely spoiled and she wants yeah. to get away from that life that's so why she, she bought the spark. Yeah. all right all right i like that okay, okay so the first the first unit of conflict okay is she calls him in mm-hmm. and they see each other and he you know he already knows because it's well, his bar but okay, she, did she know when she hires him that it's actually the guy that she bought the bar from well first off we have to figure out what time of day is it? Is it when the bar is crowded? Is he coming up to the bar, like uh, up to the bar no, while after, people are I think there? The afternoon. I think it'd be afternoon. afternoon. So, so nobody's it's a dive there. Bar. No, it's a dive bar. There'll okay, be some so people drinking in the afternoon, but I mean, not that many. <laughs> There's no fights. It's not the height of the bar. Day, is she bartending? Say. Is she standing behind the bar? I think it would be very oh, symbolic if she was behind the bar. She can't do anything, though. She doesn't know what she's doing. I mean, well, maybe she's behind the bar and there's like a bartender and she's like, just like, but doing she's just something. hanging out. Yeah, she's like hanging out, or she's wiping down she's the bar. She's trying to learn how to. Oh, she's trying to. She's practicing darts. 
Yeah, or she's because maybe she's, she's trying to darts. learn how to how to bartend, and she she is like screwing up all the drinks or something. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so she's behind the bar, and right. she can't make anything. She wants to. She's like, well, let me get you a beer, you know. <laughs> So the opening thing is that he wants to get to the work. Okay, his right. goal is that he wants to get to the work. He wants to get it done. And she wants right. to, like, she wants to entertain this whole. She's like, oh, you're coming back to your bar. How nice. Let me get you a beer. And then she tries to pour him a beer, and it's, like, all foam. Or she could say, <laughs> she could kind of steer him away from, like, a mixed drink. So that she doesn't actually doesn't have to make a mixed drink. She goes, right. how about a nice cold beer on the house? No, she can't do that. Exactly. And then she screws up the beer, too. She or when she head. goes to get uh-huh. the top off, it like right. spews out. Right. And, oh, right. yeah. yeah so the perfect. first unit of conflict is let me get you a beer. No, I don't want a beer. Right. So that's your first unit of conflict where you've got this fun little thing going on and she's trying to make him, you know, pour Okay, beer now or when whatever. he comes mm-hmm. in, does she, we, we didn't answer that question. Does she know that he's the one? Is she surprised when he walks through the door? No, she knows. She, well, yeah, she she's know? surprised. Okay. She's surprised. He, he knows. Know. She and she probably, okay. she probably liked him, too. I mean, if there's if there's a romantic element to this, I mean, mm-hmm. she probably was attracted to him. So she's probably really, she's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I can't believe what are the chances of all the construction places that I would <laughs> that I would hire you. You know, and he's like, yeah, okay. So his, he's totally focused on fixing the wall. So she says, let me get you a beer. No, I don't want a beer. Let me get you a beer. No, I don't want a beer. Let me get you a beer. No, I don't want a beer. So then she ends up pouring in the beer anyway and screws it up and then leaves it aside. And mm-hmm. he's and the second beat of conflict is he wants to go look at the wall. Right. So he goes over and he's like, well, you know, we've got, obviously you've got the outline of a human being in your wall. And <laughs> you know, fix this thing. What? No chalk line? Right. <laughs> awesome so anyway <laughs> she's like no the guy's fine he's coming he'll be back you know uh-huh. and um so then she says you know well is it okay you know and she he's going through all this stuff like is it possible you know like she, he's like well you have to do this to fix it you have to do this blah 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 <laughs> and she and says so she i says, don't want you to fix it i just want you to put it back the way it was exactly. <laughs> and he's like what it you know was- i like the i all i need is for it to be good enough that they won't shut us down for having the wall damage, but mm-hmm. I want the outline of the body <laughs> because you can see how perfectly he hit the wall. You can see the imprint of his body there, and I think that that adds a little something, something to the bar, don't you think? And he's just like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, he's got to think. It, number one, he hates her, but number two, she's she's right. nuts. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's totally Although she's nuts. cute, she's nuts. She's cute, she's nuts, but she totally yeah. doesn't understand anything about what's going on. Right. So the third beat of conflict. The third beat of conflict, I think, now she's the POV character, and right now she's been driving him nuts. So okay. I think the third beat of conflict needs to be something that he does that drives it home for her. Well, I think what he's going to do... Mm-hmm. Is say to her, "I'll fix your wall, but it's going to cost you a thousand dollars." I think he might pull the. Mm-hmm. I think he might pull the money card. At that no, point, I think he's got to know that she's worth card. it. I think he'd pull the humanity card. I think that he would say, you know, like she's excited about. There's this outline of this guy, uh-huh. you know, in her wall. Maybe he would say something like, "You realize this guy is in a hospital fighting for his life at the moment," or something like that. Uh, like where he not, would. No, but but then but then you lose the conflict. If you have him side with her at this point, he's not siding with her. She doesn't realize. She sees mm-hmm. the human outline as something cool in the dive bar. Like, look how. But I mean, I think that if he makes her realize the reality, you know, she thought uh-huh. it was so cool. I can buy a dive bar and I can work behind the bar and I can be like, you know, it'll be like Cheers, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, where she, you know, everybody knows my name kind of thing. Yeah. And he makes her realize that, you know, that these are real people with <laughs> kids and lives. Like if his, her value changed, she's the POV character. She needs to have a value change. Yeah. So, I okay. mean, this whole thing is funny. Right. You know, but I mean, maybe at the end he says something. He just has one line. He says something to her that makes her realize. So in the final beat of conflict, he says something that actually gets through to her. Well, she and it might be the chalk line. This, it could be, yeah. 
It could be he the could chalk be like line. the the, the chalk line for this but, guy. You know, like maybe the guy you know is like seriously gonna die. Maybe yeah. he's had like a head injury well, or something. You know, <laughs> I just but, had oh, this oh, funny that thing. Out your comedy portion of the I movie. know. Well, see, that's what I'm trying to say. And you're yeah. Don't go my way. Don't come to the dark side. Um, but but I just had this funny thing where she uh-huh. like she like bursts through the door from the back kitchen into the bar. Uh-huh. She stands there for a second, uh-huh. and then she she like walks up to the bartender and goes. Nobody ever says Barbara when I walk through. <laughs> oh man! You know what that's did they do awesome. in Cheers? What was it? Norm. That, Norm, right? She exactly. Goes, Nobody She's ever like, says Barbara when I oh, walk but in. Oh, that's her. But that's her goal. That's her goal. Is that when she that walks in funny. the bar? Like that would be great if her yeah. overall goal for the whole thing is that she walks into that bar and everybody says Barbara. <laughs> You know, but I mean, this as an opening well, scene, though, would be really great because it would just establish mm-hmm. so much about their characters. Right. And then, you know, well, the he other says thing something, is... but he also needs to soften to her a little bit. Even though she's the POV character, she goes through the value change. And it doesn't be a huge shift, again, but just something where at the beginning, it's all fun and games. And well, how cool you know... is this? I had a bar fight in my bar. And then at the end, she realizes that, like, you know, she starts to realize that these are people with Well, lies and I think and what happens mm-hmm. is that maybe after he says that, she mm-hmm. actually goes and, and finds out who the guy was that got thrown against the wall and if he's okay and she, like, gives him money or something to try to oh, help him out. anonymously. Anonymously yes. pays for his well, hospital stay. And you know what's interesting mm-hmm. is that this whole thing could turn into that where she comes to realize that it's not about the bar, it's about the people right. in the bar right. that make it. That's why dives are so interesting because it's the same people. They become sort of like a family. Right. Oh, you know, oh, you oh, always have but, the same group yeah. of people. But here's the really cool thing, though. Mm-hmm. He comes in. He's focused on fixing that wall. Mm-hmm. She is focused on playing this part, you right. know. So that's her goal is that she's playing this part. You know, she wants to be just an ordinary girl. Mm-hmm. So then... He says this stuff to her. He's focused on fixing the wall. She feels like crap. She goes back to the bartender who was like, just obviously had enough. Mm -hmm. He's got to be really tired of her hanging around. She's screwing everything up. And so she says, you know, what was the guy's name? You know, what was Mm -hmm. his? And then like her next scene would be then, you know, so that she's had some kind of realization. And her next scene would be her going you know, and paying for everything, right. which again no, is, it's but start that's small, back to her though. history though, but that's back to her history. Her thing is you can pay, you, you know, you put money into something, you can fix everything with money. Right. You know, and so she, so that's she her way of dealing of with it. Playing into that. Exactly. And it's also because it's anonymous, she uh-huh. doesn't have to, she doesn't have to talk to this person. Right. She doesn't have to see this person. She just hands the money over and things will get fixed. So that sets and that's up the a way... whole great series of conflicts yeah. in this because, story. Because, I mean, it mm-hmm. could be, you know, at this point she's she's focused on that one guy. Right. And then she mm-hmm. forgets, you know, she's mm-hmm. she's paid the money, she's fixed it, everything's okay again. Right. And she thinks that that's going to fix everything. Yeah. But then but things then... will escalate from there. Right. I really, I really like that. I like mm-hmm. that scene. And here we've got, it's a very simple scene. We've got two people with different focuses, different, yeah. you know, and the thing is, too, that the antagonist, one of the things about the antagonist is that we always associate the, the antagonist as being evil, right. some source of real, but the fact is that all an antagonist is, is somebody with an opposing goal mm-hmm. to what your POV character, you know, right. and there are a lot of like benevolent antagonists. I love benevolent antagonists. I love these characters. They're so much fun to write. They're really great in comedies, too. Like the mother. Mm-hmm. I have so many mothers who are the benevolent antagonists in my books, you know, <laughs> that they mean well, they, you know, but it's just everything that they do kind of conflicts with what the, the main character, you know, mm-hmm. wants to do at this, at this point. And I think that you got here, you've got these two people that are, you know, in conflict and yet neither one of them is really in the wrong. Neither one of them is evil. Yes. Neither one of them is, is meaning any well, harm. And, the most, you know? and, and I've always said the most powerful conflicts mm-hmm. are when both people are right. Right. Oh gosh, those you're are so the good at that. best mm-hmm. conflicts, mm-hmm. and you're so good at that. Mm-hmm. I love what you do. But yeah, I mean that. I think I like that scene. Yeah, I like that yeah, entire setup. I think we did good with writer improv. Yay! <laughs> and we did fight. I know. We it do have to come awesome. up with the title though. Mm. So we have to. Well, come we up do with the that on the break until the deeper. <laughs> 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 so anyway. 
anyway, so we've got we've got an antagonist, a protagonist, mm-hmm. a POV character. We've got the setting. We've got the genre, and we've got three clear beats of conflict. It's a very okay. very simple scene. Yeah, but I think that that's a basic, a very basic kind of structure that you can work with to build a scene. So if you guys right. are having problems with that, then just use this as an example. Well, and what's interesting <laughs> about the scene is you can uh-huh. see the whole story in that right. scene. And then as soon as we got that scene done, I'm like, oh, and it would go here and it would go there. Right. And you can kind of build exactly. it from there. But you see, you start with those little beats of conflict. And it's mm-hmm. really a brilliant way to kind of look at a scene when you start building it with those those little beats of conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, which is something that I never would have done six months ago, I have to tell you. <laughs> well, this you know, it would be interesting this year. if mm-hmm. she started out with the beer, would you like a beer? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, would you like a screwdriver because she figures she can make oh, right. a screwdriver and right, then she, she's right. like how about a coke <laughs> <laughs> and that gives you a three beat too i mean yeah. the three beat is and the great three too. different things but it also right. shows mm-hmm. her insecurities and a lot of exactly. things so yeah, I mean, you use every opportunity you can exactly really. to kind of build in those elements you know mm-hmm. what i would especially love... in the opening scene oh 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 i just had a stroke of brilliance <laughs> you know what i would love to do what? Given the basic three beats that we just set out, I want the Whiffers, anybody who's interested, to write oh, this scene. Oh, yay! And send it in to us. Write yes. the scene and send it in and to we us. Will I want to see, I uh, I mean, see where I, you go with that. Yes, yes. And we'll, I mean, we'll read it, but we won't read it out loud. Right, right, you know, right. If you don't want right. us just to, but, but yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll read but it. But I want to I see what you guys come up with. I mean, yeah. given this basic structure, you've got your basic three beats of conflict, the way that we laid it out. Mm-hmm. And you can play with that however you want. But I want to see if any of you guys want to kind of take an exercise and yeah. write that out. I think that could be a lot of fun. That, that could would be, be really great. interesting. Yeah. All right. So any whiffers who want to take up the challenge, if you want to write, you know, Barbara and Sam. Yep. And, and also, if you uh, if mm-hmm. you do, of course, you get entered in our contest and everything else. Exactly. So if you send it to us, stuff. anything you send, a feedback at willwriteforwine.com, gets mm-hmm. entered in the contest to win the lovely prizes. Yep. So, yep. All right. All right. Let's, okay. That's cool. Yay. That's cool. If you guys, if you guys want to write it, I want to see what you guys come up with. <sighs> Phew. I guess we are cool. writers, huh? I know. You got your, we've <laughs> laid worried. everything out. We got your three beats of conflict. <laughs> Your protagonist, your antagonist, and your setting. That's all you need. That's right. And it's a, it's a good way to practice kind of writing that scene where you got a value change from the beginning to the end. Right. So go ahead and do it. Let's see, okay. what, let's see what you guys come up with. You pomelos, you. <laughs> all right. And it's time for more wine. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to refill, and we'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Flynn Daly needs a drink. Under pressure from her father, she's agreed to move out of her South Boston neighborhood and run the inn left to her by her dead aunt. The problem? It's in the middle of upstate New York, where there's nature and bugs and no public transportation. The cute bartender keeps giving her attitude, and she's getting visits from her Aunt Esther, even though she's dead. Jake Tucker needs a break. He's sure that Esther Goodhouse was murdered, but he can't find any proof. If cozying up to Esther's knees gets him the information he needs, so be it. But once he gets close to Flynn, he decides that some investigations are more fun with a partner. Crazy in Love by Lonnie Diane Rich in stores October 1st. Thanks for coming back. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is Will Write for Wine. Yes. And we (laughs) came up with the title for our Okay, our now scene, we, our book. Sam came up with a title, and it's freaking fabulous. Go ahead. It's the Big Bang Theory. I love it! <laughs> I love it! I want to write a book with that I know I pulled that now. card for some reason. <laughs> and fabulous. I also had an idea where Barbara was standing behind the bar, and there's these two old guys sitting at the bar, and this in the middle of the afternoon, and one guy looks at the other guy and says, hey, did you ever hear the joke about the water slide? And the other guy says... In the goddamn library. Ah! <laughs> and they both start laughing and nobody else is in it. Yeah, nobody else about. gets it. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to put a water slide and a goddamn library in one of my books. <laughs> and the only people who will understand it are whiffers. <laughs> Our little pomelos. <laughs> but, you know, another thing we were talking about during the break while we were, you know, coming up with the Big Bang Theory, which mm-hmm. I think is a brilliant... <laughs> God, I love that. I love that title. <laughs> anyway, um, is that we're talking about structure and we're talking mm-hmm. about rules and we're talking about protagonists and antagonists and conflict and beats of conflict and all that kind of stuff. And this is all just about 
kind of giving you for when you're stuck. Yeah. A guideline for getting out of being stuck. But what you must understand is that all this stuff exists to kind of help you out of bad spots. But when things are moving Mm -hmm. and things are going well, Mm -hmm. don't worry about all this. I mean, this is, you know... And and the thing is that I think would be interesting is that we got a bunch of whiffers who actually wrote this scene. You would see that one person would bring something new and different and put a twist on it that would be different, even with the same POV character, the same right. antagonist, and the, the same, same scene. conflict, the yeah. same scene, that two different people would write that in such completely different ways yes. because you bring in... You know, there's so much extraneous stuff and there's so many different ways that you can take on the scene that even with all those elements being the same, you can really take a different angle mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, as much as, you know, we come at this, it's it's not rules. It's not the way you have to do it. Right. It's just one way that can work. So, right. you know, I don't want anybody to get stuck up on the rules and, right. you know, because to the point where it shuts you down from being able to be Exactly. Creative. If mm-hmm. it freezes you up, then it's just not working forget for it. Exactly. Just then do don't worry your about thing. It. Three yep. beats of conflict. I mean, honestly, I've been writing for, you know, professionally for like four years. Mm-hmm. And until I think probably January of this year, I was completely resistant to all this stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to understand antagonists. I didn't want to understand craft. I didn't want to understand the structure or three acts or the scene or anything. I just wrote completely from instinct. You know, and it worked for me until it, you know, made me sick. Yeah. <laughs> Until I got so stressed out that I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, well, when you start throwing out 100 pages a book or something. Right, 175 pages. The comeback case, I threw out 175 pages. I mean, you really have to find a better way, a more healthy way of writing. It's all about, you really, you need to find a balance between what you do instinctually. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you do that you understand the structure right. and the rules. You don't and all want that the, kind of the structure mm-hmm. to cripple your voice, your exactly. writing style. Because then you'll or sound just like everybody, everybody else. Everybody else. Every book will if sound exactly the same. If we all started writing. If we all started writing these things exactly mm-hmm. the same, you know, I mean, then th- there's something that only you can bring to the story. But when you've got a basic structure, then you can hang what makes you you on that so don't let it drive out what makes you you because that's that's the part that makes you special right you know makes you different Mm -hmm. but the structure can help you though and it can be it's just you have to balance it you have you can't be a slave to it you know what i used to say in my in my um my rules workshop is that you can't be the rules bitch you know (laughs) which do we need to I'm sorry. I do. I say horrible <laughs> things. But anyway, don't be the rules bitch. Don't be the rules dog, which is mm-hmm. what I mean by the rules bitch. And, you know, just when it works for you, when it helps you, when it gets you out of a tight spot, go ahead and use these concepts. But when it doesn't, when you're working, everything's fine, then let it roll. And don't right. stress yourself out about it because it doesn't mm-hmm. match exactly what you thought you were supposed to do. Right. So even, anyway, that's, Even if we yeah. do sound like we know what we're doing. We have no idea. We're just making it up as we go along. Your mileage may vary. Right. But anyway, this is the D block. Want to uh-huh. win some great prizes? Yeah. Yeah, I do. What you got? It's going to be the longest D block ever. So we got into our little lecture. Head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for questions, wine suggestions, or just general commentary on the show. Mm-hmm. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. I okay. said it right. And just so you know, I spent like this afternoon thinking, what else is there? Like a wine craft? <laughs> <laughs> Something <laughs> other than bucket. bucket. The thing that you hold the wine in that makes it cold. Anyway, at the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize yes for september (laughs) we are giving away two signed books the comeback kiss by lonnie diane rich and unmasked by cj barry that's me that is you and you know what i'm gonna throw in crazy in love too i just got a whole bunch of copies and they're beautiful of crazy in love which is coming out um october 1st Mm mm-hmm and yes, I gave Sam hers today. We went yes. and had lunch at the Olive Garden. We actually saw each other in person. It was very exciting. It's very exciting. So I'm going to throw in The Comeback Kiss and Crazy in Love. Excellent. I'm going to throw in another one for that. For this right. one because, right. uh, because I got a book coming out and I got to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all you 
have to do to enter is send us an email at mm-hmm. feedback at willwriteforwine.com. And also, everybody who sent in anything to the improv as yes. well, we'll yep. also get that. Absolutely. And uh, your comments and suggestions on the website as well, we'll do it. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. We will announce the September winner on our first October show. So send in your comments and suggestions now, right now, right, right. now. This minute. <laughs> Unless you're driving, in which case, wait until you pull over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we don't want any, you know, accidents mm-hmm. on our yeah. conscience. Anyway, up next we have the dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we gotta get a real sound effect for that. You can tell we're low budget. We're like dun 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 dun. Weekly weigh in. <laughs> so Sam, how'd you do this week? Well, I'm working on round two of the edits. These are the tougher mm-hmm. ones, you know, where you actually have to think. And <laughs> oh, I hate those. I hate those. <sighs> so, but I'll, I'm going to, I'm, I am going to finish these this weekend. And then next week, I really need to just do a whole read through the whole thing. You know, uh-huh. just for consistency and all mm-hmm. of that. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what I did. So how'd you do? Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, me, I've been doing page proofs this week mm-hmm. on Little Ray of Sunshine. Which is very fun, because I love that book. <laughs> so I don't mind doing this one. It's so much nicer when you like the book. I know. <laughs> it's much I more fun. I love that. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, I love this book. I'm about halfway through, and uh, I should have it all. I should have had it all done today, but, you know, you called well, me. Well, we did you launch, me, yeah. You made me go. You made <laughs> me go my and fault. meet you. It's, it's all your fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's not due for another eight days, so I'm being kind of a little lazy about it. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but I've been doing a lot of thinking, though, about the next See? book, though, and I'm very excited that about that. I've been developing things in my head, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's all good. All right. all right. And now it's time for this week's Random Etc. segment, where we do whatever we feel like because it's our show. Mm-hmm. In honor of Lisa, we yes. are doing our favorite quotes about wine. Oh, I love this. <laughs> this is such a great idea. This was Sam's idea, by the way. Uh, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. So anyway, this is the quote that I found. Mm-hmm. It says, here's to the corkscrew, (laughs) a useful key to unlock the storehouse of wit, the treasury of laughter, the front door of fellowship, and the gate of pleasant folly. Hey, that's us. That's like Will Ray for wine. I know. I love it. It's by a guy, uh, W.E.P. French, Ah. William Edward Patterson French, who was a poet mid-19th century. Cool. So, yeah, I, I like that. that That's like I want us. That on a T-shirt. I know. I want that on a T-shirt. That's the front very door cool. Fellowship, the gate of pleasant folly. I love that. I want mine on a T-shirt. Oh yes, what is it? Mine is wine is bottled poetry. <gasps> that Isn't that lovely. awesome? I just Can we love put it. those on Will Write for Wine T-shirts. Do I know. Oh, well, is there I some know. kind of copyright? Well, this guy's dead, it's so maybe public we could. Domain by now. <laughs> My guy was born in 1855. Your guy was born in 1850. It's got to be public domain by now. Isn't that funny? We picked eras so close. <laughs> I know. This was by Robert uh, Louis Stevenson. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. A, a Scottish essayist, poet, yes. a novelist. Yes. yes, yes. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like them well, both. I know those are mm-hmm. fabulous. We're gonna have to see if we can put those on a T-shirt because I think those rock. That anyway, would be cool. that takes care of this week's random etc. And it's time for I think a refill. Well, the show's almost over, and I'm sure you're really sad about that. But now you don't have to wait another week to hear from Sam and Lonnie because we've got websites open 24-7 and ready when you are, morning, noon, or night. For Lonnie, be sure to stop by the newly redesigned LonnieDianeRich.com where Lonnie's latest books and news will be regularly updated. Right, Lonnie? Also, don't forget to drop by dogsandgoddesses.com, where Lonnie is collaborating live on the web with New York Times bestsellers Jennifer Cruzy and Ann Stewart. It's like a reality show with writers, which is really much more interesting than it sounds. So check it out. For more information on Sam, click your way on over to samanthagraves.com for her latest news and giveaways. I think she's better about updating. Yeah, that's right. There are also links to her blog her MySpace page, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. And don't forget to stop by at willwriteforwine.com for links to our joint MySpace page, our cafe press store, and all the cool things we talk about during the show. By the time you're done with all that, we'll be back in a new podcast next week. Everybody plays and everybody wins. Oh, wow.
well. We're doing really well. Go, 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 go. Well, it's time for last call here on Will Write for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Keep sending those wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or in the comments on the website. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me. Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. <laughs> at least we got that right this we week. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Okay. Oh, yes, it's you. Also. <laughs> this is the saddest e-block we've ever done. Yeah, I think so. I, second only to last week's. Right. <laughs> Also, don't miss our cool Cafe Press store where you can get all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise. Check out our new items like the Wine Notes book, Mm -hmm. the journal, and the refrigerator magnet, and the mouse pad. Very cool. And Mm -hmm. what a nice Christmas gift for your favorite whiffer. Right. Mm -hmm. Your favorite pomelo. (laughs) Not a lemon. Not a peach. Not a lemon. Not a peach. (laughs) The link can be found in the right-hand column at the website at (laughs) willwriteforwine.com. Don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley, which, by the way, people have been doing this month. It's been amazing. No, it's been amazing. I mean, here we Thank are. What so is it, like much. the 20th of September, which usually by this point, you know. Yeah, we've dropped to like 200. Because or... of the weird algorithm thing <laughs> where you have to have like 300 votes, you know, or whatever. We're but still, I mean, we're hanging, we're like hanging we're like tough at like 73. Or yeah, like that. somewhere yeah, around there in the mid-70s. So thank you, everybody. <laughs> you really make so, our day. I know. Your votes mm-hmm. count new every month. So if you voted in August, you can vote again in September, mm-hmm. which is good. And I think that if you if you voted at all for us, first of all, thank you. That's yes. so flipping cool. And second of all, you know, if you put it in your schedule, <laughs> or in and your vote, pilot, vote October first. <laughs> right, exactly. If all of you who voted through September could just come in and vote on October first, you would get us mm-hmm. into the top ten for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I know. Like totally make and, our whole lives. And I would drink booze from a box. <laughs> I really will. So I'm just saying, it's an mm-hmm. idea. Or you could review us at iTunes, which is also very cool because we're part very of a cool. featured well, arts and literature podcast there. So. Did you notice mm-hmm. that we moved up two spots? <gasps> we have. We're Honestly, so cool. two spots. I know. It's uh, so cool. That's because All we're right. we're so awesome. Well, and we and we the, have the best. We've got we've got yeah. growing whiffers that are coming over <laughs> to the dark side. <laughs> you can also spread the word by blogging yes. about us. Mm-hmm. Mention us on your website and send us a link to your page, mm-hmm. and we'll put you in a special drawing for a very special prize: a character in Lonnie's next book, named for you. Right, you got one more week. Ah. to get in on that action. I'm going to announce mm-hmm. that winner next week. So mm-hmm. remember, every email you send us gets you an entry in this month's giveaway, and every blog that you do that mentions us gets mm-hmm. you you know, an entry in the uh, Lonnie's character named after you. Because <laughs> 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 I have a hard trouble coming up with names for my <laughs> characters. So. <laughs> One of you will and, mm-hmm. and next week's show is On Craft, Feedback and critiques. Right. We've been getting a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. A lot of individual. I don't know what's going on. Everybody's thinking yeah. about critiquers and feedback because we've gotten a ton of questions on that. So what we're going right. to do is we're going to fold all those questions into next week's show. So if you've asked yes. any questions, just listen in then. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So until next time, this is Sam. And this is Lonnie saying if you can't write for money. Then write for one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We'll Ride for Wine is brought to you each week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Be sure to hit the website at willwriteforwine.com where you can find great links to everything in the show, news about what the girls are up to, and links to great cafe press merchandise like t-shirts, hats, and mugs. I like the apron myself. Also, don't forget to friend them on MySpace at myspace.com slash willwriteforwine. Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network, music.com podshow.com and if you enjoyed the podcast please tell your friends and go vote for Lonnie and Sam at Podcast Alley or write a glowing review at iTunes remember there's good karma out there vote for them at Podcast Alley come back next time as Johnny Depp's soulmate or perhaps Colin first mmm ring any bells or you know the, the soulmate whoever does it for you you get the point anyway thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time right here on Will Write for Wine it's a little things that you it's a little things that you
It's the other things that get you when you weren't paying attention. I'm trying to cut down on my caffeine consumption. So when I get up, I just have one cup of coffee, and I like to have another cup of coffee with my breakfast. And on the way to work, I like to get